Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us now, that we would hear your voice, that we would know your presence, that you would help us to bring to you all our thoughts and all our emotions. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're getting into the time of year where you might be uh, planning your holiday. Uh, Well, beware. Uh, These are all genuine complaints received from tourists by a holiday company. Now, Timmy, I don't know if you've been given any of these, but we'll see. You can nod if, if you've heard any of these before. The street signs weren't in English. I don't understand how anyone could get around. Here's another one. There was no sign telling you that you shouldn't get on the hot air balloon ride if you're afraid of heights. Next one. The beach was too sandy. Another one. I think it should be explained in the brochure that the local shop does not sell proper biscuits like custard creams or ginger nuts. Or the last one, we could not enjoy the tour as our guide was too ugly. You can't be expected to admire a beautiful view when you're staring at a face like his. Well, I hope that my ugly mug won't put you off tonight. As we consider at this passage from Hebrew, from Habakkuk, not Hebrews, Habakkuk, together. You see, sometimes complaints can be a bit silly, like the ones that we've just heard from the holidaymakers. But sometimes complaints are genuine. There is a problem, I think there is a problem, uh, that needs to be listened and sorted out. As the book of the prophet Habakkuk begins, we find him in heaven's complaints department. He's not happy about something, and so he cries out to God. He calls out to God and lodges his complaint. Now we find it on page 940 in the Pew Bible, and it might be good if you have it open in front of you to follow along. And we find the complaint in verses 2 to 4. Verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, But you do not save. His complaint is first of all about how long he's not getting an answer. I wonder if you've ever had to phone up BT or an insurance company or, you know, some kind of company and you get that recorded message. Your call is important to us. We'll have an advisor for you shortly. Please 
hold the line. And then you listen to Greensleeves for the hundredth time and you think, how long? How long until I get an answer? Well, Habakkuk hadn't heard Greensleeves. He hadn't heard, well, anything. You see, he's calling out to God and God hasn't bothered answering. God hasn't done anything about his concerns or his cries for help and so he's frustrated. I wonder, have you ever been in the same boat? Something's going on in your life. You need God to come through to do something, to help, and nothing. Silence. Perhaps that's you at this precise moment. Maybe you've got an appointment or a diagnosis. Family difficulties. Money worries. Maybe you're just worried about the way society seems to be going. The the news filled with violence and injustice and conflict. Well those were the things that Habakkuk was concerned about. As he looks at his nation, at God's covenant people, he sees things going terribly wrong. Verse 3. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. It's frustrating. It's a big problem. And it's bad enough that Habakkuk is having to live in such a place. But even worse that God isn't doing anything about it. Why do you make me look at injustice he says in verse 3. Why do you tolerate wrong? Habakkuk is saying God what's going on? Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you even answering me? And then, amazingly, God answers him. God reveals to the prophet Habakkuk what's going on in the world and also what God is going to do about it. And initially, it sounds very promising. It sounds very exciting. Look at verse 5. Who wouldn't want to hear this? He says, God says, look at the nations and watch And be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Brilliant, we think. God is answering Habakkuk's complaint. He's going to do something amazing, something that that we wouldn't have thought possible beforehand. The complaints department will be able to tick this complaint off the list. Resolved. Sorted out. So what is this amazing, wonderful thing that God is going to do? Look at verse 6. I am raising up 
the Babylonians. That ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. Hmm. That doesn't really sound like a great solution, does it? Especially whenever God goes on to describe them in more detail. Whenever I was growing up, we played a thing called Top Trumps. Maybe I still play it today. And you had lots of different sets. You had little cards with a picture of whatever the thing was. It might have been football players or cars or planes or something. And each one had a rating in different things. And you had to pick one of those to try and beat your opponent's card and their rating. So, for example, if you were playing with uh, car cards and you had a Robin Reliant top speed of 55 miles an hour or something like that, I don't even know how fast they would go, it definitely wouldn't beat a Ferrari top speed 250 miles per hour. Do you get the idea? You want to get the one that's the best, the one that beats all the others. Well, the Babylonians, they were top trumps champions at warfare look at uh, verse 7 onwards uh, they are a feared and dreaded people they are a law to themselves and promote their own honour feared and dreaded tick promoting their own honour tick swift horses fiercer than wolves tick tick these are the real deal Attacking and conquering, they have no equal. Fortified cities, uh, where's that? In verse 10, they laugh at fortified cities. They build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men, whose own strength is their God. The Babylonians were the top Trump's champions at warfare. Another thing they were champions at was wickedness. Guilt in verse 11. Idolatry. At their strength is, is their God. They only worship themselves. They boast in their strength. And this is God's plan. This is the amazing, unheard of answer to Habakkuk's complaint. It's no wonder that Habakkuk is back on the phone again. It's hardly surprising that Habakkuk comes back with a second complaint. God, you're doing what? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you actually making things worse rather than better? God, what are you playing at? And so, at the start of verse 12, you'll see the the little heading, Habakkuk's second complaint. Habakkuk starts his complaint with a reminder of who God is. Verse 12, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? 
My God, my Holy One, uh, we will not die, or some versions have it, you will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Lord, you're pure. You're holy. You only ever do what's right, and yet you're doing this. You're allowing this. Verse 13. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Do you see Habakkuk's problem? He's saying, okay God, we're bad, but they're worse. Why will you let them get away with it while they triumph over us? Why are you, why are you going to put us through all this suffering? He then pictures the people of the world like the fish in the sea. It's as if the Babylonians have gone fishing. Using hooks in verse 13. Sorry, no that's not right. Verse 15. The wicked fool pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Now, I'm not a fisherman. Uh, If you've been listening to the sermons over the past fortnight, uh, you'll now know that I'm not a gardener and I'm not a fisherman. I think the only thing I would catch if I went fishing would be a cold. But do you see the increasing catch here in verse 15? A A hook only gets one fish at a time. Then a net on the end of a pole might get a few more at a time. But a dragnet pulled along behind a boat, it catches everything. The Babylonians are conquering everywhere. They're sacrificing to their own net. They're worshipping their own power. They're living in luxury as they conquer other nations. As verse 17 asks, is there no stopping him? Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? So what do you do when you find yourself trying to get through to heaven's complaints department? What do you do when you can't understand God's purposes and things seem to be getting worse rather than better? The first thing to notice from tonight is that Habakkuk continued to cry out to God. When trouble came, he didn't turn away. He turned to God. He kept ringing the complaints line as he cried out in prayer. 
And while it might seem obvious to say, sometimes it's not so obvious when we're in the midst of difficulties. If prayer seems more like a last resort, if it has been a last resort, then make it first priority to cry out to God. As the hymn says, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. The second thing to notice is something that Habakkuk just couldn't understand. It's the thing that drives the second complaint. And it's there in verse 13, the second half of verse 13. Why are you silent? While the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. Do you see the question? The wicked swallowing up someone more righteous than them. I wonder, wonder can you think of somewhere else in the Bible where we find the same thing happening? It's in our second reading. In Matthew 27, the place where the more righteous one cried out to God, asking why God had abandoned him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In a shadow here in Habakkuk, we see the outline of the cross. The wicked swallowing up the more righteous one. The righteous one. You might remember a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, at the film at The Passion of the Christ, a, a dramatic portrayal of the crucifixion. It was directed by Mel Gibson and he appears in one scene of the movie. As Jesus is nailed to the cross, it's Mel Gibson's hand that takes the hammer and hammers the nails. He's recognising that he crucified Jesus. The wicked swallowing up the righteous. And yet this is God's way of salvation. God's plan of forgiveness. His ultimate purpose in the world. In a few moments as we take bread and wine tonight, we remember Jesus' death for us. We celebrate that God punished sin in Christ Jesus. So that we can go free. That moment, that act of the cross is the ultimate answer to Habakkuk's question. And yet, sometimes even knowing that ultimate answer and even being sustained by the bread and wine as we look to kingdom come, we still struggle with the circumstances of our life. 
we still wonder, what is God doing as I face this problem or this difficulty? And so in a sense, we watch and wait with Habakkuk. Listening out for God's answer for the everyday struggles. As Habakkuk says in chapter 2 and verse 1, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. And so we watch. And wait. And we'll hear God's answer next week. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the Holy One. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. We praise you that you have made a way for us to come to you, to be welcomed in. We thank you for Jesus, for the pattern we find here, the pattern of the cross. Father, we bring before you the various circumstances and situations we find ourselves in tonight and the ones that lie before us this week. We ask that we would hear your voice of reassurance, of comfort, and maybe even of challenge. As we follow you by faith. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.